Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash presale to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games, exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. Like, we, well, we're talking about the Miller thing, obviously, yeah. right? So it's like people are coming around now and they're saying, oh, like, obviously it was a great deal. We're supposed to give up this first for JT Miller. And I'm saying that it's not that easy just because he's playing like like a baller right now. Yeah. I, I love JT Miller. He's a total dude on this team, for yeah. sure. But it's a little bit more dependent on team success Oh yeah. versus just player success. So if oh, we yeah. miss the playoffs for the next two years... And it turns into a lottery pick, and we know that that's lottery dependent. That pick. Yeah. Well, in the games. Then, then what happens though, right? So, yeah. are we going to be just as stoked about the JT Miller play trade if we're like picking somewhere in the top five, which could end up being a number one overall pick if the lottery's there? Yeah. I think we got to stick with what we got. We're six games in, we're four game winning streak. JT Miller's leading this team in points. Yeah. Those are all. He's plus, great. Those are all great things for us. Miller. Miller isn't the topic of whether he's a great player or not. We all like Miller. It's just whether or not that trade was like, were we supposed to give up that number one overall pick? And is it Miller for a one? And is it based on how good Miller plays? Or is it based on team success, whether that trade is a is an A-plus home run? Or is it a fail? And it'll, we won't be able to know that until after this thing plays out and we see how the Canucks do in the first two seasons that he's here. Yeah, he doesn't control what that pick looks like. The Vancouver Canucks exactly. control that Yeah, pick. that's the only point that I'm trying to get across. Like, yeah. it's, it's not whether the trade was... It's not whether we got JT Miller and we like JT Miller, the player. Yeah. It's first, do we like the fact that we gave up a one? Did we have to? And is it dependent on team success or dependent on what JT Miller does? Yeah. It's team success, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yep. You said it. That, take that, Twitter. What do you know? Here comes the rocket from center. Crosses the blue line. Moves it on goal. Shoots. He scores. Henrik scores. Henrik Sedin on the power play, and it's 3 nothing. Sven Berchi with the power play goal, one second left in the penalty. It was the power play which ended up costing the Vancouver Canucks. Gessler scores! What a pass! It's an eight-game point streak for Brock Besser, and the Canucks have scored on their last three power plays. It's 4 nothing. Hello and welcome to the PP1 Podcast. This is episode 5 and I'm your host, Braden Ursel. I'm here to bring you all the action with my buddy Ryan Hank and Ted Wong, who just got back from the Northeast Tiddlywinks Championships. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we're just three guys from Kelowna who want to talk Canucks and uh, yeah, let's get down to it. We got uh, six games now and uh, it's power play time, baby. Let's go. I agree. Our, our, fake, our fake sound machine is breaking. That was gross, man. Uh, can, I, can I do the official, like, with the names after? Yeah, you go um, right ahead, man. So, good news, folks. Before the game against St. Louis, the Vancouver Canucks had a 21.1% power play success rating. Sounds great. Then they played St. Louis. They're now 16.7%. Not so great. But, Brady, what did we find out tonight after the Canucks game? How is the penalty kill doing? Ooh, penalty kill. First in the league. PK1, baby. First 95%. 95. 
that's a good mark. Yeah, we can take that. Call the year. We're done. Yeah, 95%. We'll just call it there. I want to talk about this PK1 uh, sitting 95% number PK1 in the league. Mm -hmm. Um, Who's out there running that penalty kill? Guys we thought were going to be sent down. Absolutely. Um, And now Jim Benning and Travis Green, maybe they're not looking so stupid. Uh, Four straight wins. One of the two people. (laughs) Yeah. Let's, Let's not track everyone into this conversation. But uh, yeah, we uh, what, what, are you guys happy with what the team looks like now? Yeah. <laughs> now that uh, penalty kill is number one. I, I think of course we're happy with the with the penalty kill success. I <clears throat> I think there's a bunch of guys on this roster that can do that for sure. I think that Newell Brown's done a really good job setting up that PK to be successful. But yeah, we need to give a little bit of love to Sutter, and we probably need to give a little bit of love to Schaller, who I didn't even think was going to play 40 games this year, and right now he's looking like an ace. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what's funny about Schaller? Remember last season when they talked about he couldn't get his motor running? Yeah. Like, guys, oh, couldn't get my motor running right away. It's coming, though. And, like, you don't want to hear that. And now this season, to start, it was almost like Furland. But then you kind of take a step back and think, all right, he was, like, deathly sick for a while. And, you know, any pro athlete, when you lose X amount of pounds and fluids and this and that, mm-hmm. it's going to probably take some time. And then what happens? What were we talking about before the game? Furland scores, and yeah. then you message me right away like, now we just need Bo. And yeah, so had you waited an hour. Was it officially Bo Horvat's goal in I that think, uh, last game we just watched? I think he was the last one. To when I checked in. Google, it did say that Pedersen scored. I'm not quite sure. I guess I don't think it really matters. Um, oh, it but it would be nice to have for Bo to have that first goal definitely. Yeah, yeah. Play, players are coming around. I got actually asked by a friend of mine. He was like, "Why is Tim Schaller playing so well?" I think that's a pretty fair question. I, did, I, I have no idea why he's playing so well, so maybe that's it. Maybe you're right. Whatever season thing he was struggling with last year, he was able to get right in the offseason, and and now he looks like a viable NHL player again. Yeah, and looking at the, the stat sheet here, it does say Bo Horvat was awarded that goal, so it's really nice to, uh, in that game we see Michael Ferland and Bo Horvat uh, kind of break through that barrier, get those first goals of the year. Mm-hmm. And they dug in to get those goals, too. Like, it wasn't just, like, that. the Horvat goal, more specifically. Oh, for sure. I mean, Pedersen, come on, man. Like, you had all day to make that happen. I've seen there was a Ryan Kessler goal, or a non-goal, many, many years ago when it came down to just effort. He was pushing his stick against, I can't remember who else's stick, on yeah, the goal line. I remember that goal. And he couldn't yeah. force it in. Pedersen gets all day to make that move, and he still can't roof it. But Bo comes in and manages to tap it. And it was, it was a bulldog kind of effort, not... Biega, but um, it was nice to see that it was it was a typical Bo Horvat goal. Like oh, he's, sure. he's you know gun into the net. No, definitely good to see him uh, scoring that goal. Um, he's brought a lot of energy. He's definitely been the captain, even though he only has two points this far. Um, that captaincy he has is going a lot further in other areas of the game. I even noticed. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught it, but did you guys see? Uh, the uh, the seatmates video the Canucks did on their uh, they released on Twitter and Facebook. I saw a little it was bit. Brandon Sutter interview interviewing all the players. No, I, I, I saw I the Stetcher part. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't I didn't see this video. Can you? Oh man, me? no, it was great. So it all uh, it opened up and uh, Brandon Sutter's kind of like in the middle of the aisle of the the plane, right? And he's here. We're gonna talk about the seatmates on the team and who's all with their new seatmates. And you know it's all dark. I think if I can't remember, and people are sleeping and stuff like that. So he kind of goes over to people and interviews them. He's pretty funny. Uh, kind of shows why he's that leader in the locker room. 
But, um, yeah, he had some good in, uh, interviews with some of them. Uh, he was calling Troy Stetcher Slim Shady. Oh, that's where that came from? <laughs> yeah. JT Miller was uh, Oh, jeez. Like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, as he kind of made his way to the back, like my point I was saying, uh, the captaincy about Horvat, is I noticed they had him sitting with, uh, with Adam Gaudet. And, uh, you know, having him coming in as um, a center, a young center trying to break into that lineup, I, I see why they're making that, uh, that seating arrangement. I think that's really good. But... Uh, yeah. Well, you, you couldn't put him with Myers. Myers, if you saw the photo of Myers on the plane, he oh took, God, yeah. he took up like <laughs> he took up like the call button to the stewardess and everything else. Like his legs were touching the ceiling. And yeah, I was just wondering who was sitting in front of him. Oh my it goodness, really he's that typical guy. Yeah. And then in the back, of course, like in the back of the plane, you got Louis Erickson sleeping, looking like he's not just sleeping, like he's not earning the games or whatever you want to say. But the funny part of the interview, uh, he was talking to Alex Edler at the back of the plane there. And uh, the guy's actually pretty comical. He's like, what do you and uh, Louis Erickson talk about when he's not sleeping? And goes on about, oh, Swedish things, you know, like Swedish meatballs, Swedish candy. And Ikea, stuff like yeah. this, Ikea. Yeah. <laughs> it's just good. It was good to see kind of a light side of the stuff. So I, I think there is a, there's, you can see that team bonding, and I think they've talked about it, a few of the players, that, uh, um, you know, they're kind of building all those relationships. And a few of those players have finally started to gel with each other. And, you know, that the core four and you know three of the guys anyway have been there a little bit and you know Sutter's been there for a little bit as well Stetcher yeah. you know there's there's guys that have been there now they've had a little bit of tenure on that team and I think uh, you know any good team any eventual championship team and I'm not saying they're gonna win the Stanley Cup but any team that wants to make a run like you see those guys they're building those relationships off off the ice you know on the plane these card games and this and that and when it does come down to it like those are the guys you want to stand up for when it comes down to you know game five game six game seven of a conference final when you know you're willing to take a puck for for a guy because you know you know that guy's got you or like you know mm -hmm. yours you know the god his daughter's godfather whatever the heck it is you know like they're creating relationships on, you know, on and off the ice. And I think uh, those, I mean, just like any friendship, right? They, you know, goes a long way. So, Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, any, any more thoughts, Ted, or just move on here? No, I think it's just, yeah, you guys you guys kind of hit it right on the head there. It's continuity, right? I think yeah. the, the more these guys work together, the more familiar they are with one another, the the more invested they are in each other. I, I mean, that can only mean good things. Oh, no, for right? sure, for so, sure. And, uh, no Fortnite on the road still, probably. <laughs> yeah, no Fortnite. I don't know um, if that's a thing or not still, but, you know, they seem to be doing something right. Well, they, got, the they deleted Fortnite, and then the new Fortnite came out. So I had a little tweet that uh, Yulevi was going to go and win the AHL MVP, and then they came out with a new Fortnite, <laughs> so I take yeah, that yeah. back. They, I'll delete they that never tweet. did release who that player was. That no. This, no. And I don't think it was Yulevi. No. Yeah. It's fun to talk about. Yeah. Anyway, moving, moving forward, um, I kind of want to talk about the, the Canucks as a whole. Uh, we're six games in. Um, and I kind of want just to recap that three-game homestand. We had uh, we played the Kings, the Philly, and then we finished with uh, Detroit. Uh, three straight wins, which was really nice to see. We came out uh, after being down two games, uh, a plus homestand, uh, outscoring the opponents sixteen to five, and we're somewhere in the top five, I think, in uh, goal differential. Yeah, I think they seem to, we talked about this last week, they seem to really get their mojo going in that LA game. And then they walk into Philly, and that's a little bit more of a challenge for them. They play a little bit tighter. Um, but the, by the time we roll around to that Detroit game, I feel like the power play is now clicking at this time. And, and Detroit takes a couple of penalties. 
And it's like they were rolling out there and you just knew they were going to score. Like I haven't mm. had that feeling in a long time, but they were loading up and it just like I had no, I had, I had no doubt that they were going to score on that power play or two for that fact. Yeah. So um, I think that it's been fun to watch, which mm-hmm. is really nice. It's been fun to see multiple power play units go out there with skill and a little bit of puck possession. And like, I just can't gush enough about how good JT Miller looks in that bumper spot right now. Man, eight points, six games. He's, he's, he's fit in everywhere on the ice. It's been an absolute pleasure to watch JT Miller. And the goals far. just the goals just go in. Like when he's got the puck, he doesn't have that Besser feel or the the Patterson feel or the like. There's no real, you know, flash or panache about him. Yeah. It's just he has the puck, and you're like, he's gonna do something good with it. And you're not excited mm-hmm. about it, but. It just seems like something important is about to happen. Yeah. You know, whether it goes in the net or it's about to create a play. Um, Miller is, he's been a surprising, uh, surprising success. Again, yeah. for a guy who hasn't seen a lot of him, that would be me. Maybe it's, a little surprising for, you know, two guys who weren't happy about the betting trade, but it's surprising for me as well. Like yeah. a guy from the East. Uh, but we have him coming in as like a 26-year-old, which is, we have him in his prime. So yeah. it's good we can kind of get him with Pedersen and Besser. I think he's really fitting in well there. Oh, he looks, just that spot, I think when Vancouver went out in free agency and signed Sam Gagne, I think that's the guy that they were envisioning Gagne to be on the power play. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Miller is a power play specialist. I think if you look at his numbers across all the teams that he's played for, he's had major success on the power play. So we thought, I think, well, Benning thought that you know, Gagne was going to be that guy mm-hmm. in that in the bumper role where he could sort of get it in the middle of the ice and then on a stick, off a stick. And so Miller's been that to a T. I think even in that that pass from Pedersen across to Besser, like I'm going to say that that pass was actually intended for Besser and he picked it off and yeah. so and then and then scores another one from the exact same spot tonight. Um, even though we haven't had a full amount of time to recap that game um, that just got played. Um, he scores it from the same spot, and I did get to see that before I left the house to come to the studio. It's great to see that through six games, it hasn't taken much for this team to get to get going and meshing really well together. As you see with those stats uh, being, you know, what was it, first in the league for uh, the penalty kill, and, you know, they're getting tons of goals. I think they're in the top five for goal differentials, so you know things are going well, and that's good to see off, out of the gate. I think uh, having things work out well in the early going is only going to benefit this team trying to make a playoff run. Yeah, they're 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 finding ways to win, right? Even when they're they're not completely out of games. I think they're like you probably were looking at this in the past and being like, "Oh, there's just no way we're going to come back from this. We're we're two goals down. This team is now we're just hanging on hoping, hoping for something lucky." But like I feel like there's already spots in this year and with this team where we can be down a couple of goals and feel like we're not out of the game yet. It's not overall. We need a power play or two or a good shift mm-hmm. from that first or second line. And when we roll in, we right back in it. They had a bit of that last year too, though, to start the season, didn't they? Where they were coming, or was that a couple seasons ago? Where they I, were... I think it's every Canucks season for the last five years through the month of October, November, December. They just get those. Ris- <laughs> yeah. Sorry to ju- yeah, sorry to forget about those. But you're right. I think they they always have these little you know spurts where. You count them out, and then somehow, some way, they just chisel away at that lead. And you know whether it's late. This today was uh, you know third period, mm-hmm. but they got that one goal in the second there to to get back in. And it was you get that funny feeling. You think like, well, like 
they got a whole other period to make this happen. And it's one goal at that point. Yeah, we just need to sustain that. Keep yeah. that rolling, right? I'll, for my buddy Kyle, I'll just say it's all about confidence for these guys, right? Yeah. And it's, it's nice to see a team with, I don't know, 10 new players from the beginning of last year when they're down three goals to one like they were tonight. Yeah. Especially only six games in, they were able to rally together, fight it out, especially with a backup goalie like Demko, and get the W. And that was really nice. Yeah, not looking like your regular backup. I mean, he let that first shot in of the game in Detroit. Um, but I would just go out on a limb and say that he was the reason that he won that game. The guy is a legit NHL goaltender, and if you don't know that by now, I mean, you're probably learning it at this point. I mean, for, yeah. Sorry, go, ahead, go for it. Well, I was just going to say, we talk about these these backups so often. Yeah. And we've seen it before um, with the Canucks a few times, actually. But uh, definitely, again, now that we've got uh, Markstrom and Demko, it's it's a 1A, 1B. And you're going to have a guy that so far is, you know, the unofficial number one. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they're they're playing as a tandem. I mean, you look at the Jennings Trophy, and it is, you know, Lee Schools, which is really a team award. But as far as the goaltenders, they're the ones that get the award. You're looking at these two guys, and on any given night now, I think most Canucks fans will agree that you've got a very good chance to win even if you're not scoring a lot of goals. They're going to keep you in it. Yeah, and like, it's it's great that we have two good goaltenders. Um, I don't want to really steal this from Ted, as he mentioned before we started recording, um, so credit to him. But also I think a lot of fans are kind of getting a little bit of these this feeling is the compa- comparison of Markstrom and Demko to uh, the Luongo and Schneider. It might not be up to that tier of uh, good of goaltenders, but... The confidence as a fan is there. Yeah. Uh, with having that one A one B, it's and that's uh, you know as a fan that's that's good. I'll disagree with you guys to like a certain extent. I don't think that it's one A one B yet. I think that it's really clear that it's Markstrom. Like he's the guy. I think um, what Demko has done in this like short amount of time with mm-hmm. with Markstrom having to be away for family issues is he's proven that he probably deserves more than twenty starts that he probably was scheduled for right off the bat because Green's been known to ride a guy like Markstrom and probably ride him more than he needs to be. Mm-hmm. But I think now that he's probably forced his hand a little bit and said, like, hey, coach, like, man, I'm good. You can probably pencil me in for 10 more starts this year. So it's not un- unheard of for me to go 30, uh, 25 or 30 games, right? So um, all that's going to play itself out at some point. Um, you know, there's a contract expiring. Uh, we need to learn a little bit more about who Demko is. He hasn't, you know, gone through any one season where he's, you know, started an absolute ton of games because even down in Utica, um, he was sharing the load. Yeah. He was sharing the load, right? So, um, I think it's helped us learn. I don't know if we're at one A, one B, but he's mm-hmm. definitely not your 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 regular man's backup. He's not he's not b- backup Bob Asenzo. He's not like a Craig Billington or something like that. Like the guy's legit, and he's not named the number one goalie goaltending prospect uh, in the NHL for for nothing. Yeah, no, definitely, and uh, you got to think that that psychology major goes. Uh goes in there as well uh, as I heard in the Detroit oh, game yeah. they mentioned he's pretty close to getting his degree in psychology yeah which has to do something for a goaltender you know but he's a thinker and a real goalies thinker. are usually nuts so. <laughs> yeah goalies are weird dudes yeah. right yeah I mean, goalies are always kind of the weirdos on the, on the team right but uh, I, I uh, I'm interested to see what I don't know you know how long Markstrom's away and, and yeah. hopefully everything is is okay for him there but um, this is a good opportunity for Demko, and it's nice to see him taking the ball and run with it. And it was really good to see him get that win in a game where they were down tonight. Yeah, and I think as a fan, I can say for myself that I've had confidence in Demko. Like, Markstrom not being there, 
I felt like we can get through this. Um, so yeah, and do you have any thoughts on it that? It wasn't as well? Curtis. It wasn't Curtis Sanford. It wasn't. Exactly. Uh, it wasn't Anders Nilsson. Yeah. 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 It wasn't Peter Scudra. Mike McKenna. Yeah, it was almost like, yo, sweet, we're gonna get ta- we're gonna get some time to see uh, Demko actually play a few starts in a row, and that's that's a good thing. Yeah, we we, we got all the way down to the point where Luongo had to sneak away to have a poop, and we were worried about Danny Savage. <laughs> right. We're not there anymore, so that's good news. Oh, definitely. I think Markstrom has better bowel control, so, <laughs> so I think we'll be okay. Um, but kind of all in all, I wanted to ask you guys a question from myself, just kind of over the last week since we recorded last. And each of you maybe with a different answer here. What's kind of something that's really stood out to you about this team as so far? We just look faster. Like, I think it's been these early Benning rosters with these like, slow, plodding lines. And I think that changed a little bit last year because that's not the Twins game, although we appreciate everything about them. But it forced us to skate a little bit more. And then when we started injecting these other guys onto the roster, I mean, you have a like guy like Ferlin and you have a guy like, um, like Miller who maybe aren't doing a whole lot um, offensively in, in Verlin's case, but they're heavy guys down low and they skate They skate pretty well. And this this whole group, like as a whole, the defense included, everybody scoots really well. I mean, it's nice to see... Um, it's nice to see Hughes out there wheeling from the back end. Yeah. And, and I continue to be really impressed with how good of a skater Myers is. So on the whole, we just look fast. I mean, that Detroit team was a quick team last night and, and we didn't we weren't behind at any point with their speed. My big takeaway so far has been and I think I probably said this in one of my game previews for Canucks Army, um, subtle drop. Um, the defense. I, the, yeah. I, for whatever reason I was listening to the pregame today um, driving home and uh, well, I guess probably at work so there's no more Derek Pouliot. Yeah. They, they have, you look at the six guys that are on the bench or, you know, on the roster for the, the current, you know, run here. And there isn't one guy that stands out and think, ah, uh, there could be someone else on this team that deserves that spot more. You look at all six of those guys and the fact that you look at both power play units right now and they were, I was listening to the, the post game, that's where it was tonight. And they were kind of talking about who they had on uh, both units. And I started thinking, we're to the point now where, you know, we're not butthurt that Troy Stetcher isn't on no. that power play. We're not butthurt that, you know, um, who, was, who was the guy I was thinking of? They've, they've got the six guys. There's Edler mm-hmm. and there's Myers and you've got Hughes and, you know, you've got Ben. Obviously, there's Tanov and then Stetcher. You don't have to have all four of those no, guys. Myers hasn't power. even had power play time. Yeah, right? like yeah. there's there's six guys, and you think if we're getting it done with four of them, great. We those other two guys can be rested, and when it comes back to five on five, or if they're on a PK, all of a sudden you've got everybody rested and ready to go. And we haven't had a defense where we've been, you know, kind of raking them over the coals for all oh, this or all oh, that. I mean, Mer- uh, not Furland. Uh, Myers had that one giveaway against Calgary, which yeah, I was just watching. Other the, than that, he's been pretty solid. And, and, yeah, like I said, that one play, yeah, one play was kind of you know it was it was Early awful. On too. But at the end of the day, you look at everything else that this defense has right now, and I mean, I'm not freaking out like, oh man, like we better you know tighten up the ship or we're not going to be able to win. You go in to each one of these games right now, and again, it's early and we haven't played ten games yet, but it kind of gives you that confidence. You think, you know what? If this team can hold together and, you know, injuries being what they are, things might 
be okay this season. Again, not necessarily playoffs and not necessarily, you know, doing anything major or tanking at the end of the year. There's a there's a pretty good team here this year. Yeah, out of the two points, uh, definitely both good points I'm, I'm seeing with the team. Uh, but I, I would have to agree with Ryan on this one as Obviously. I think it's had a bigger effect for this team. The defense has just stood out so much in comparison to last year. Um, and we're getting like a huge percentage of our goals are coming from the defense. I think it's something like 33%. It's awful. I'm not exactly yeah. sure on that stat, but it's somewhere around there. And you know that's not sustainable. Uh, I think we're on a pace for about 100 goals from our defense this year. You know that, that's not yeah, sustainable. It, it isn't but sustainable at all. It's definitely for me been the thing that stood out. Um, you know, and that kind of runs me into this next question here. Um, it's just about the defense standing out. Is the fans are still arguing about Edler and Hughes on the back end, and uh, and that's great for this team. It's so, a good problem. Yeah, and so well, for, we have for two, this team, two power play quarterbacks. We're coming off four wins in a row. Mm-hmm. All the ducks are lined up. We're looking good. We haven't really seen things go really bad for this team yet. So I just kind of want... This kind of leads me to this next part here. Did you really Um, just go there? Is it just all lucky? No. Is it just luck? I don't think so. so. But by luck, I mean that kind of brought me to my next part here. Um, I'm a writer at the Canuck Way, and uh, one of my buddies there, uh, Jacob Calvert, he uh, tweeted out... um, Little tweets. Uh, I gotta, I gotta dig it up here in my, uh, on my Twitter account here. But it goes like this. I just like to say our top line has a nickname that needs to start now. The Lotto Line. I'll wait while you figure it out. It took me till the next day to figure it out. <laughs> Did it really? <laughs> well, I guess... I'm not the smartest guy yeah. sometimes. Well, it's got uh, 540 likes. It even got mentioned on Sportsnet. So big shout out to the Canuck Way. That was really cool. Uh, they write a lot of good articles there. Uh, you should check them out. But yeah, pretty cool that that got noticed. Um, we're all really happy at the Canuck Way. So. so can I get into what that means? Because yeah, so means... as the dumb guy, <laughs> as the dumb guy, can I like well, say, top... I figured it out? Yeah, so our top line with the addition of JT Miller, their numbers spell out, well, if you read it backwards, maybe we're on the power play, it would spell out uh, 649. Um, so yeah, maybe JT Miller's just got some luck or... Uh... Maybe it lasts all year, but anyway, I, I like the nickname. I, I'm, I'm, I'm down with it too. I think we haven't had uh, we haven't had like a really fun nickname. I think since West Coast Express, I mean, yeah. the mattress line was kind of fun for good. a little bit. Two twins and a king, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> we're not dubbing all these guys, right? Um, all these all these fun lines that come out because for the most part, we just kind of let them do their thing. But if this is going to be a thing and it's going to stick around, then like. Hey, man, I'm okay with it. We'll play the lottery. That's cool. Yeah, but the funny thing is that it would actually... Um, it's smart, though. we got to give them that. wasn't noticed at first. It was smart. But there actually already is a Canuck that actually had that nickname. Do you guys know who it is? This Lotto? Yeah. His, his Lotto nickname? 649. Or just 649. Just because he was lucky? Yeah. Was that yeah. Anson Carter? Because he no, was No, um, it was, it uh, was John Garrett. Oh, uh, cause because his sa- his goals against average was six point forty nine. So I don't know. For me, uh, I love it. I love that it's coming from the Canuck way, and I will push it. But just because of how funny that is for John Garrett, like, I'm not a huge John Garrett fan, but I think that's just hilarious. Well, he's your <laughs> full. A couple things about John Garrett. He's your he's your third starting goaltender in the new Chell alumni. Uh, Canucks team, so we're gonna have to give him that. I think if you get, maybe we'll check with Cheech first if this nickname is okay, but I'm yeah. pretty sure we're gonna be fine on it. We'll yeah, I, don't I don't think he uh, likes the nickname too much. I mean, he, he'll go out and he'll he'll talk about it. He's the one that got, that actually mentioned it. So I'm gonna hijack this for a second. Yeah, um, for sure. This is big news. I just put this out on Instagram um, last week. Brady, you were sick. 
Yeah. And uh, sick as a dog. Mm-hmm. And he came out and he battled through. He had his tea, I think. And but he didn't have one thing. And I had this whole, I had this whole run I was gonna go on. Um, since we started, Brady's been bringing these. Um, Rob Gronkowski Monster Energy Drinks. I don't know what the heck's <laughs> in it. Probably. Pure fuel, baby. Pure yeah, fuel. Like it's, it's, Bull piss. It's, it's, it's scary. Bull but semen, he, actually. He, but yeah. he, he didn't bring it last week, and I was really mad at him. And then he told me he was sick, and he could visibly <laughs> and audibly hear it. And I told him, I said, you better bring that can. We need that can here. That's, <laughs> that's your thing, man. That is, that's your shtick. So anyway, he brought his can in. And uh, all is well with the world again. And none of us got sick from last week. Did you get sick over the week? No, I told you. You guys thought tired. I was going to yeah. get you That's sick. That's because we were hanging on here with SARS masks. That's the only reason and why. And we had about like a vat of Purell <laughs> that we kept dipping our arms into. So so thank you for not making us sick. Thank hey, you for, for bringing Gronkowski Monster back. Yeah, you guys want to sip? I know. I'm going to pass. Are you sure? I'm good. <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're good with that. Yeah, oh, yeah it's funny, man. <laughs> Um, digging into, uh, that power play a little more, um, we're still itching to see Hughes out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't, it's not really as common anymore for teams to do the three forwards, two defensemen, but with the way Alex Edler's playing, do you think that might be something Green tries in the near future? Like a three, two? Yeah. Like, do you think we put Hughes out there and kind of use him more as a roamer on the boards? kind of move around or is that kind of something that's not really take, used much anymore who are you going to take off that though? well it's either has to be miller or horvat and the, the power play didn't start clicking until horvat was put up onto the top line right and miller's been playing possession. so well so until something there kind of happens maybe you don't really mess around with that yeah, but, i don't think and you're not just gonna go green's not just gonna go out and please the fans but yeah i don't think that i don't you... think it would hurt too much i think sorry i think you by moving one of them to the second line as well, though, you do also strengthen that second unit. You do weaken it by moving Hughes out, but... I've got a... Sorry, Ted, you go for it. I've got an idea. Yeah. Oh, I just... I I don't think you can mess with it yet. And yeah, I know. I think... That's great that Eddie's producing right now, but, like, mark my words, it's only still a get, matter of time until Hughes takes that spot. I'm still getting sick of that draw pass. I mean... I think what they need to do, and uh, I think we've seen it before, and maybe on a Canucks power play, I can't quite remember, but you win possession, so if you've got Bo at center mm-hmm. to win that face-off, you get clear possession of and once they have it, get them off the ice, get Hughes back on there, switch your possession, you've already started moving the puck. That's still the one thing that drives me batty is it's still somewhat predictable. They still have that kind of static, you know, Besser's here, Patterson's here, Bo's here, Miller's here, Edler's here. They're not really moving a whole lot yet. And I found when the power play really clicked last season, once they started getting Patterson and Besser together, you could see that they were moving the puck. It was cycling around a lot. And I think to see Bo win the faceoff, mm-hmm. and then you know once you have clear possession of it, and again, there's a lot that goes into that. But I think if you can get him off and get that second defenseman out there like Hughes, you can see that he loves to move the puck. He's got mm-hmm. the moves to do it. And all of a sudden you can get, I mean, let's feature Edler then at the top of the point and get him, get the rocket in there, get Miller at uh, the net front, kind of like the Bertuzzi spot. I mean, how many goals do we see Todd Bertuzzi score just stand in front of the net? You have to be able to stand in front of the net, but I think Miller has uh, has the frame to do that. And quite frankly, if he's doing your, your screen, 
you've got your two shooters on the side. Mm-hmm. You've also got your guy at the top who's going to be sending the blast. I mean, we've seen what Quinn Hughes has already done to a few people's legs and arms and everything else. So why not? Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned screen, um, and uh, you know you don't get a, an assist for screening the goaltender, but JT Miller has looked absolutely amazing in front of that net. Uh, they've actually been going with a, a double screen kind of situation with uh, your two wingers out of the side and. Um, very effective against Detroit, and hopefully we can keep that coming. Yeah, I, I, it, it's great that Edler's putting up points right now. Yeah, we started the we season; just... he's on that first unit. But to be honest, like <laughs> you gotta put up points if you're Alex Edler because there is a dude coming for your job, and he's coming fast, and he's charging yeah. hard. And and at some point, I don't see, I don't see that level of success continuing only because that's really hard to sustain what he's doing right now. And I just don't feel like taking a guy like Bo off that that power play mm-hmm. and replacing him with a defenseman after a one draw is a strategy that they're going to go with. Well, you actually still already have two centers out there, though, with uh, Miller and Pedersen on that line. So losing Bo isn't necessarily a terrible thing. Didn't Mel Holtra go up there just to win a face-off? Not on power plays, though. Yeah, but uh, we're talking... I'm just... I'm just I, hear, I, I hear you. I hear you. It's, it's happened before. Yeah. yeah. Maybe um, not now. But, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think it's... Some, I'm very I'm very bullish on that. That's going to happen at some point. Yeah, and we didn't really go over it before we started, but um, just going to kind of recap this whole situation and just through the six games we've played... I want to ask you guys, and you can do it by line or you can just do it by position. Each of you, I want you to grade um, how this team's been playing. And actually, I'll start it off, and I'll start off with the... Do you guys want to do forwards or do you want to do by line? Do you guys do you want to do by line or by position? I would say let's just do forwards, D, and special teams. I think you got to right. split it up. Maybe top six, bottom six. Okay, Yeah, because sure. it's too much. Yeah, so, how, Ted, how do you feel about, how would you grade the top six? Uh, I think the top six, five on five, has been, you know, a, a solid B plus, A minus to this point. Um, if we're including the work that they've done on the power play, mm-hmm. uh, there's definitely some guys in there that need to get rolling, but there's definitely dudes like um, Miller that are carrying this group. Yes. Um, and, you know, we had a bit of an outburst there from, from Besser, so that really helps as well. Um, but I think that there's still a little bit that needs to happen from a continuity standpoint. The bottom six, I feel like uh, uh, incomplete right now. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd probably still give, you know, somewhere up around a C-plus for the work that they've done on the special teams because they've carried that penalty kill, mm-hmm. and it really has looked good. Um but I don't know what's, I mean, to date, I guess we're looking at a C-plus, but, yeah. you know, Sutter looks like he's putting up points now, and I still think they don't know exactly how they're using Gaudette yet, mm-hmm. and there's still guys on there like Mott that, that, you know, are there, and they're skating around like he always skates around, but, like, I, think I don't think they have a true identity yet. So that's why I'm going to say C-plus to incomplete. Okay, and uh, Ryan, if I wanted to pass it off to you, how would you grade the defense through the first six games this season? I think you've got a solid A minus. I think, like I said before, there's a lot of confidence as a fan in that defensive core. I think every time they're out there, something impressive is happening. They're not looking like a liability. They're also driving the play. You've got uh, Edler, who you know, it seems like every couple seasons, you know, he gets uh, a little bit of fountain of youth out of nowhere. Yeah. 
But, uh, you know, again, Tyler Myers has been a nice fit so far. His stick work has been excellent. He's actually been fast. And, again, if you've ever watched uh, Tyler Myers and Kelowna, that was one of the big things uh, that uh, was impressive about him was he was a big guy and he was yeah. fast, which doesn't really make sense when you got skates on. Um, then you look at, you know, just the guys like Jordy Ben and, I mean, even Stetcher out there. A good defense has is two things. One, it shouldn't be noticeable. And if it's going well, it's going to be putting points on the board. And I think right now they're doing both of those things. So, I mean, an yeah. A minus, I think, is, you know what? Well, well, I'm going to upgrade it. I'll upgrade call it, it an a. a for sure. Yeah. I think yeah. it hasn't been, you know, from what we can expect, a superstar group. But at the same time, they've produced. Mm. And I mean, yeah. the stats show. Hey, it's Ryan from the PP1 podcast on Cryer Media. If you're looking for a spot to advertise your company, your brand, your cheese wheel, some beer, maybe some donuts, this is the spot. Reach out to me via DM on Twitter or Instagram at always94, and I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Worst case scenario, we just become best friends. And how awesome does that sound? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll answer for uh, the goalies, uh, my opinion on the goalies anyway. And just kind of coming into the season, I'm going to I'm gonna grade them with a solid A. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys remember the Luongo days. I don't think he once had a good October. Um, he let in the first shot, usually. Yeah. It usually went off and the glass would, or his butt or something. Yeah. So, you know, Markstrom comes in. He He's not getting enough credit. Um, I mean, I think he is getting credit, but he's not being talked about as much as he should have been in those four games. I think he's he's been absolutely amazing. Uh, he's only building off of last year. And kind of same thing goes for me with Demko. Um, he was able to step in in those two games he's played, uh, 2-0. and So, I mean, he's, they both kept us in games. We've yeah. won games, and we're on a four-game win streak. So, A, a there for me as well. I'm going to just flirt with even an A-plus on the goaltending, only because if you look at every game so far, there's been at least one, and maybe I'm missing a game here, there's been at least one game-breaking save yeah. mm-hmm. by each goaltender that has to make you think if that save didn't happen, the game goes in a completely different direction. And there's been a few games where it would have changed, uh, obviously, the score. It would have it would have put the Canucks behind. And tonight they had one with Demko. Uh, Markstrom had a couple impressive yes, stacks. Yeah. And uh, to me, like those, you know, they you talk about what a goaltender can bring you. And, you know, they're not necessarily stealing games. But at the same time, that one big save keeps the keeps the flow of the game going or if it ends up being a, a frozen puck all of a sudden you didn't let in a goal you're still in the game and now you can build off of that yeah i, I that that grade is like pretty indicative of of how well markstrom is playing so if we would have given out a grade this time last year it probably would have been a bit lower because we're looking at goaltenders as a whole and nilstrom was just or, Nielsen was just such a, a, a so streaky, right? Just yeah. such an, an enigma in there. So combining that now, instead of just looking at the goaltending, like, hey, Markstrom's playing unreal right now. It's really nice to see that we have a duo there. Yeah. Yeah, I know it has been nice. And um, kind of another fun question I just kind of thought of uh, as we're grading these players. Um, just jumping into the forwards here, if I had to pick two guys, uh, let's say Elias Patterson and JT Miller. Um, let's start off with you, Ryan. Who would you take as who's been kind of the better performer this so well, far. The JT Miller, I don't even think it's a, a question, really. I mean, it is a question, but JT Miller has been everything for the Canucks so far, and, you know, it seems like it's been a theme so far um, today that we're, you know, going off on JT Miller, but uh, he has been everything for this team so far in all aspects of the game. I'm just going to restate my question. Can we start? 
Sure. Maybe I... As of looking at, after grading uh, those those players this far, I just want to jump in and say, uh, start off with you, Ryan. Yeah. If you could take one player uh, to grade as the best off on the uh, the forwards, who mm-hmm. would you choose that's been the best offensive player, and what would you grade him? Well, I'll go back to Miller, and I'll give him uh, a solid A. He hasn't blown anybody away, but he's been consistent, and I think... You, you don't want to give away pluses because the guy's not putting up hat-tricks and he's I not... I think he's exceeding expectations, though. I don't think anyone... Maybe our expectations. Okay. The rest of the league, I think, if you go and ask the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're probably saying, that is exactly the guy that we gave up. You just weren't watching him. I'd give him a solid A. Yeah. Absolutely. Would you agree with Ted? Yeah, I, I think he's been everything that we've needed him to be. And, and although Pedersen is still the guy that's gaining all of the attention from... from the defensive positioning from the other team. Uh, he's opened things up for, for Miller, but he, you also have to be opportunistic in that point. So he is really cashing in on all that extra space that, for the most part, uh, P and, and Brock are, are affording him. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, same thing goes, uh, I'll ask the question again, but on the d- defensive side of things, Ryan, if you had to pick kind of one defenseman who's, I don't know, maybe been the best defenseman kind of all around, or maybe just kind of uh, that you've been the most impressed with through these six games? I seems like such a cop-out, but Quinn Hughes. Quinn I, Hughes, yeah. I, the neat thing about Quinn Hughes is he hasn't been their best defenseman, but he's changed everybody. He's changed that defense. They've afforded themselves to take some risks. They've also been able to um, be effective on the power play, five on five. They've been to overtime a few times, and every time he's on the ice with Brock and Petey, you know, usually on that three-on-three, like, it's exciting. Like, that's must-see TV. And when he's not, he's doing his dipsy doodles, and he's he's got all these little extra things that, you know, some of these younger kids, um, you know, says the 36-year-old, um, some of these younger guys are coming in, and, you know, they've got a little piss and vinegar. They've got, uh, you know, that confidence that they can go and pull off a move um, that you're you're not expecting, kind of like, you know, like kind of like what Pavel Burry used to do. You know, he he went in there and he wasn't afraid to try something ridiculous that nobody else was doing. Even if he failed on it, you know, a guy like Burry, I, you know, as an, an offensive player, as a forward, you know, he was kind of the guy that, that was stirring the drink and eventually he became their best player. And quite frankly, maybe Quinn Hughes is that guy. Maybe he is eventually a Norris Trophy winner. Who knows? Yeah. He, he, he really is everything that this team has been craving. I mean... He just looks so good out there. He just looks so calm. But yeah, I, I 100% agree with that, Ryan. Yeah, and what I just noticed about just a really positive thing for this team that's really pushing for the playoffs this year. Uh, through the, It's only six games, but it's really nice to hear that I asked you guys to pick one player from each position, and you both picked a player that wasn't on this team last year. I mean, Quinn, he's played five games. That doesn't really count. So we got players coming in that are contributing, and that's just a huge plus for this team. So mm-hmm. when we can finally get our real other core players we have, really get them going, we have a really good shot at making the playoffs. We'll, we'll look dangerous, for sure. And we're not complaining about DeBranson anymore. We're not complaining about Derek Oh, Puglia. my God. I, I don't want to get into that. I'm just saying yeah. we're not No, no, that. for sure. But, uh, but yeah, just have to kind of wrap that up. Uh, I'm extremely happy the Canucks are 4-2, and two, um, especially after going 0-2 oh to start the season. But what I'm really looking forward to, I'm not sure if it's the next game or the game after. I think it's the game after. But it's Quinn Hughes versus Jack Hughes. Um, really excited for that On game. Sunday. Uh, yeah, that'll be fun. Another thing about that, though, is both games are 10 a.m. games. 
something the Canucks uh, have been struggling with. So, I don't know, Ted, you maybe want to start off with kind of those two topics? Like the fact that it's an early game and then the fact that we're going to see the Hughes and Hughes matchup? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, well, yeah, you're right. Statistically, it's been not a great setup for us to fly into the East and then play one of those early morning games. Uh, there's a like a myriad of reasons for why that is. I think it really messes with um, guys' routines. There's always a whole pregame ritual that they got to go on, pregame nap, um, you know, what meal you're going to eat, blah, blah, blah. I think for the goaltenders, it's a big thing. I know that it was a thing for Lou. Um, but there's a, another a big ritual and warm-up that you have to go through. And I think when you're starting it that many hours early um, and you combine a little bit of, you know, jet lag i guess we can call they're, it they're cross-continent they're flights. cross-continent right so there's there's i i'm not a huge fan of it i wish that they would just play the games at like a reasonable time but um it'll be a challenge for them to go through and, and new Jersey's going to be ready for them for sure on the front of seeing hughes uh like i think it's going to be really neat it'll be my first look at him um we there's been all sorts of talks the fact that maybe he's a generational player i think he's the next patrick kane um I know I really wanted the Canucks to tank and get him, and that's not what happened. And <laughs> that's probably a good thing too. But um, we'll see what we'll see what he does. I'm gonna I'm interested to see what the dynamic is between them and um, the Canucks, and I'm interested to see how the Canucks play him, a smaller center, if they're going to be really physical with him. And it looks like he's not on that first line anymore either. So I just want to shift the question. I think you covered it pretty pretty good there, Ted. Um, Jack Hughes has been off to a slow start. Uh, Quinn Hughes, on the other hand, has been one. Arguably the, one of the best players for the Canucks. Um, what are your thoughts on the game uh, the, with that matchup, uh, and how do you feel about Jack Hughes and his slow start? Well, the, he's a rookie. He's what, eight, 18 still? He looks or like is he 19 now? 18, I think he's still 18. Like Jack Hughes is 18. Quinn Hughes just turned 20. How many of these guys get so much pressure put on them? Yeah. And you're in a market, thankfully, like New Jersey, where. You know, is New Jersey. Yeah. People are more worried about uh, not being at the bottom of the river yeah. than anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, Jack Hughes is going to be fine. He's on a team with Taylor Hall. He's got Nico Heischer. Is he they've playing got, with Hall? Uh, he was for a period okay. of time. And they've got Corey Schneider, who's you know rebounded quite nicely since he was injured and had a lot going on. They've got a great team. We worry about them because this is what we do in yeah. Canada. We talk hockey. Well, if it was you know, if we're talking about the New York Jets. Or the New York Giants, probably a different story, and there'd be a lot to talk about. In this case, is Jack Hughes. And once he starts getting on it, the rest of the league is going to notice, I guarantee you. And thankfully, uh, we've got you know, a potential Calder race. Hopefully it heats up at you know once midseason gets going. And you've got a Jack versus Quinn kind of rivalry yeah. as far as this, um, the standings go. That's I, Honestly, that's what I'd be looking for yeah. right now. I, you know, we don't see New Jersey a lot. So for me, it's, you know, let's see what the goaltenders are like. And yeah. Potentially, a, well, it won't be Demko most likely. But, you know, let's see what New Jersey has to offer. They're going to be a hard team to beat. It's going to be interesting to see, uh, like you said, with the Calder race. It's going to be nice to see Quinn Hughes battle both Capo Caco and Jack Hughes on the same weekend. So oh, yeah. That'll be really nice. Yeah, that's a good and, point. Uh, and kind of one thing that. I wanted to quickly ask, uh, it was out on Twitter a bit, just kind of with the slow start to the Devils. It's, it's not looking good. Um, they're talking about possibly trading uh, Taylor Hall, potentially, if he doesn't want to re-sign. And it just kind of got me thinking, someone asked me over Twitter, what would it take for the Canucks to trade for Taylor Hall? And personally, my, my first, it started, obviously, with Quinn Hughes. Well, no. there, there's probably not anything there that we want to 
give up to get a Taylor Hall. And quite frankly, we're not in the position to be acquiring a player like that. That's for a team that's going to give up some assets in the form of draft capital, which we don't necessarily have to give up anymore. Um, that's for a team who's going to be fighting for a playoff spot and not only wants to make a playoff spot, but wants to make a deep run through mm-hmm. the playoffs. Um, that's not us either. I think we're not going to trade for an asset like that and, and just hope that he puts us over the top because we don't even know <coughs> if we're going to get there. So he's uh, an older guy in terms of like his overall age and when you're going to resign a guy to a big deal like that. So that's a pure rental, um, but that trade is not for me. What does it take to get a guy like that? Well, we probably have to give up like a bow and a Hughes or maybe like a Besser or some decent prospects from down below, and that's just not something I'm interested in doing. No, for sure. I wouldn't um, touch that with a 10-foot pole right that's now. Yeah, no, I'm personally yeah. not interested. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of an interesting question there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, but speaking wow. of questions, uh, let's move on to our Twitter Q&A. Um, there's a couple, because I think we've, there's a couple topics that yeah. uh, we want to get into. A few questions here. Uh, we'll start at Caps Broken Stick. Who will be the first team to potentially target Markstrom? And what will the price tag be? Uh, well, I can feel that one. I think um, it's okay. So there's not a whole ton of teams out there that are looking for goaltending help. But we probably got to be thinking about a team that's probably bound for the playoffs. We got to think of a team that's probably weak in goaltending. And for me, that probably is somebody like maybe Carolina. Yeah. I think they got Peter Mrazek there. They have James Reimer, who I think last night was doing everything he could to lose that game for them. Um, so. I could see I could see somebody like Carolina making a move to acquire a Jacob Markstrom, but all that being said, if we're in a playoff hunt, then Markstrom's not going anywhere. No, and I think uh, go obviously going into a contract, it's going to be. You're right. I think if they made that move and the Canucks are potentially out of it at that point, and they'd have to be out of it completely. Yeah. Um, it's going to be an Eastern Conference team. You're not going to see anybody in the West go and and make that move because, quite frankly. Anyone in the West isn't going to be giving up most likely a pick or, you know, something worthwhile for, at that point, most likely a 1A goaltender. At the same time, if the Canucks are out of it, how good is Markstrom playing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you think? And then I actually have one piggyback a question on this. I think it's a little early uh, for, the, for the question, maybe. Um, I think we're holding on for Mark, onto Markstrom at, at least until the deadline. I think we're going to hold on to him longer. Um the worst thing you can do in this situation would be to lose Markstrom to free agency. So we have to either re-sign him or trade. And you'd want to trade him in a sign and trade so you're getting your full value back. Um, that's kind of my take on the situation. But it's, it's good to be talking that we have two goalies. It's nice to know that eventually we're going to trade one and get some value back that's going to help with that cup run. And DiPietro is going to be on his way at some point. At some point, yeah. So fast forward now to the trade deadline. Yeah. Fast forward now to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And... Markstrom is still on this team because Markstrom is still playing like he has for the last year, basically, going back to the halfway through point last year. Yeah. We're probably talking about a top 10 starter, top 15 starter at this point. Probably even a little bit better than that now. Hopefully. The contract's up. What do we do? What do we do? I would go with the opposite approach of what Pittsburgh did with Fleury and Murray. I'm not that Markstrom's on that high of a caliber as as Fleury is. He might be. He might but be better than Fleury. But for me, like, he was, Fleury was good as soon as he hit the NHL, and Markstrom's just been a really slow, gradual kind of, 
He wasn't great. But no, he, he has, was awful. He was god awful. The to guy's start. got three They've, cups. He's been in the final five. He does times. now. He was a backup twice. Okay. <laughs> My mistake. Also, I should also, say, okay, okay, yeah, you're right. He, uh, he was maybe I should reconsider why I got that. He was Vegas flurry in, jersey in my closet. There, regardless, I see where you're going now. with this. The comparison yeah. for anyway. Yeah, I see where you're right? going. So, my opinion, um, I think we would know what we have more in Markstrom. I think he's proven more, so I think it would be safer to go with Markstrom. And I think it's safer because he what is he 29? Yeah, 29. Yeah. So he's still got. He's still going to be good in the, in that cup run. You're not. I don't think you're going to be too. If you see another full season of Markstrom, we're not going to be too worried about his next contract and if he still fits in that cup window. And I think you get more value out of Demko maybe if he has a really good season. So. Yeah, we we could just. Would be... you guys go the opposite way? Would you guys be maybe trading Demko, or is it kind of something? It's kind of a wait and see moment down the road. Well, I think maybe I think you have to make a decision. I guess if we're gonna. Give a knee-jerk reaction. What happens at the end of the year? Markstrom's still doing his thing, still playing this point, and Demko is also playing really well. What do you do? Well, that's uh, that's a. I mean, if they're both playing well, I think that's a good problem that the Canucks yeah. have at that point. I think they can kind of control their yeah. their own fate for those two. And guys. I I think I think for the Canucks, we are re-signing Markstrom. It's too early to trade him away because the what we get it back for him isn't winning us a cup next year. We're not winning a cup next year. Nope. Maybe win a cup four years from now. So get that value out of Markstrom while we still have Demko for another season after this, right? Mm-hmm. The question is, can you get Markstrom to agree to a short-term contract? Probably not. No, I think... So then you lock down Markstrom and then and then you have Demko and you might risk losing him because uh, uh, you know other teams will know you have your other goalie locked up. So you might not get as much in a trade. I don't know. Just kind of spitballing. Yeah, I don't think. I think if you lock, you lock, you've locked them both up. You sign Markstrom to the deal that he's worth. I think we're supposed to be managing our assets at this point. So if you get all your ducks in a row, and then you sort it out in the wash after the fact, right? So it's not like those guys are going to be big anchors. Markstrom's not going to command a ton either. Like you said, Brady going into he's twenty nine. So you know. You're not exactly inking uh, 30-plus-year-old goaltenders to massive deals. Some teams are. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Benning did, but at the same time... Luongo got signed to that 12-year deal at 30, I think. (laughs) How old is Bobrovsky? Yeah, Yeah. so I mean... Bobrovsky! But there's, you know, you're going to probably throw maybe a one- or two-year deal at him and just continue that um, progression of Demko, and by the time that change does need to be made... Hopefully Demko is in that space where, you know, kind of like a Corey Schneider, where he's ready to make that jump, and that's where DiPietro becomes the backup, and that whole progression starts. Yeah. So it's yeah. it, it's a tough one, but absolutely, I think, uh, you know, I think they would probably lock him in for a year. A great question that I wasn't really expecting too much from that question, but it really kind of branched out to a to be a good one. So thanks to Caps Broken Stick on that one. Um, we'll move on to at Matthew Span YOLO. And, uh, YOLO Pat. Who do you guys think will be the first coach to be fired? Uh, I haven't been paying too much attention to around the league as much as much as I do the Canucks, so I'm going to just kind of pass this one on, off to one of my boys here. Um, I'm going to take, uh, I think, Jeff Blaschel from Detroit. I think there's a chance. Ah, uh, you bugger. I think, I, think you, I, think, I think you've got a better answer than I do, but, uh, I mean, it's... 
Detroit is now kind of in that, you know, the start over, the rebuild, and they've they've got some players that are definitely taking over. I know. I there's do. a new GM there. Yeah. yeah. There's lots of reasons. There's, there's there's plenty of reasons. And I mean, the Canucks, who knew? Potentially, all of a sudden, we're, let's say, 0-5 or 0-6 or 1-5. Now, all of a sudden, Travis Green and maybe even Jim Benning are kind of on, on the fence of, you know, are they going to make a move? Yeah. They're not. There is a little bit better feeling on our side of the fence, but you go and look at Detroit and... Maybe that's something. I I don't know how likely that's going to be, but uh, if you had to pick somebody, my I guess unofficial one would probably be Babcock, just because, uh, quite frankly, it's you know there's a lot to talk about in Toronto. But, there's always uh, that's the center of the universe, right? Yeah. Um, first coach fired going to be Dan Quinn. Wait, wait. Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are one and five. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> they're pretty awful. <laughs> Are we still gonna make NFL that trade? talk? I think, I think you're looking at Ridley oh. on my team. Yeah, they so. got they got they got Ridley, they got oh, you guys are fine. They got Julio there, that, that offense is stacked, and Matt Ryan is doing nothing right now. So yeah, sorry, Dan Quinn, you're the next coach. Um, <laughs> from an NHL standpoint. <laughs> I think you always have to uh, I think regardless of the year like Torts is always going to be in that conversation because he's so volatile. Yeah, yeah, he's just yeah. that, he has that expiry date. It doesn't matter where he is, he's always on an expiry date, right? How, what is his shelf life? How long before he pissed that team off and he doesn't have the room anymore? Um, so Tortorella because of Tortorella things. Um, and then Bruce Boudreaux. I think we all like the guy. Um, but that Minnesota team looks bad, bad. Well, but we, so we can agree, though, that it ain't going to be Travis Green. I don't. No, I don't not disagree. Today, yeah, I, I, not today. <laughs> we're good today. But if things don't go well, then yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, uh, Matthew Spaniolo, for the question. We appreciate it. And uh, I'm just going to do one last question here. Wait, 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 wait. Before we get into any more questions. Yeah. You were on Canuck Speakeasy. Your your branch. Yeah. Out as a, yes. As a young interview guest. Everywhere yes. had a pretty good showing over there with Doug and Pete, and uh, I think you had some good stuff to say. You're uh, you're definitely uh, opening up your wings and, and flying on your own out there. So well done. Well, thanks a lot. It was a good time with Doug and Pete. It was really awesome to get on the show. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, and we would love to do some sort of crossover with you at some point. Uh, so we'll get we'll get around to that at some point. It's yeah, gonna be a lot show. of fun. Um, we we do possibly have. Some sort of, I don't know what we're going to call it yet, maybe a spin-off podcast that I'm going to start. It might just be my own project completely. Uh, we're just not kind of there yet on what we've decided to do with it. But when we do know, uh, you guys will be the first to know. And uh, I am, either way, either way, I'm looking forward to it. You sound so, good on the mic, so we'll um, Yeah, looking forward to that. And uh, so we'll, we'll bring it back into our final question here. And it's really, he, Ted says he doesn't like reading into these uh, questions early. He likes to kind of go off the cuff. As he said last week, but he couldn't help himself this week. He loves this question, and it's because it's from his good buddy Kyle, uh, or at Twenty Caps. Thought provoking. <laughs> Shout out to Kyle. I love your Facebook photos, man. They're fucking hilarious. <laughs> so the question: Alex Edler is playing very, very well for 33 years of age. He's actually seventh in the league for minutes played, averaging over 25 minutes a night. Do you guys think they should cut down his ice time? Or has the way he's elevated Tyler Myers' play been too important to the team's success? I think we've kind of answered this a couple different ways. But, yeah, I mean, I don't like him being that high in ice time. I think the writing's on the wall that he's going to wear down. He's not a spring chicken anymore. And, I mean, I'm 36, and I'm not a professional athlete. But, uh, 
you know, there's definitely, uh, you get the odd day if you, you work out and you're feeling it. And I mean, these guys are pros, but uh, there's going to be a certain point where he is going to wear down. I mean, you just, you can't be that way for 82 games and you know he's not going to play 82. So I think uh, if they can cut him down to around the 21 minute mark, I mean, that's, you know, probably what, about six or seven shifts, essentially. I think that uh, frees him up a little bit. And again, they've got a lot of depth on that back end right now. So feel free to use it, Travis Green. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, definitely. Uh, so that uh, that wraps up the question section. No, I think I'm going to answer on that on that Myers one too. Oh, you are. Did you yeah. have anything you no, wanted to add on it? No, sorry. Uh, you go right ahead. You go right ahead. You no, that's okay. I think so. 25 minutes a night. That's a lot. Um, I think that definitely needs to get pared down, and that probably has to say somewhere in like the 21, 22 range. Um, but I think you can get there quite easily. Um, by not limiting his five on five minutes. And I think that all happens by removing him from that number one unit on the power play. Yeah. yeah. So if we move Quinn Hughes into that spot, who's generating shots at a higher rate, I think even that second using, I think the, the, the shots per 60 that that unit generates over Edler, he has like, he's generating 44, 44 more shots than Edler is. Yeah. So as good as that like vaunted number one power play has been right now, mm-hmm. I think that it can be even that much better, but just by putting Quinn Hughes on it. So I think, Quinn Hughes is the solution to all of these problems. Like, has he elevated Myers' play? I think they probably helped each other out. But yeah. Myers isn't playing on the power play either, right? So no. it doesn't change what's going to happen with Myers. We limit the workload, so load management with Alex Edler, and we up what Quinn Hughes is doing from a minute standpoint by playing on the power play. And problem solved, everything's fixed. There's no way that Eddie's going to keep doing what he's doing. So let's preserve that. Oh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's nice that uh, Alex Edler and Tyler Myers are gelling so well. Um, he's definitely helped in making Tyler Myers look like a number two defenseman, uh, coming, especially coming from a team where he's probably number four or five. And he's getting more of a chance here, so really nice to see that. Um, but yeah, we kind of missed one topic that we uh, wanted to talk about, and it's uh, one of my favorites. And like again, thank you guys for making me uh, start paying for The Athletic. <laughs> um, really good article that came out. Uh, nice interview with Pavel Bure. Um, I know Ryan's got some things he wants to talk about with that. I haven't read this Pav one yet, so it should be good. It's, uh, yeah, you gotta, did you subscribe to The Athletic? I have The Athletic, yeah. So, um, Brady, I'm you kind of threw this at me. I had, I had seen this article and I just never got around to reading it. And I thought, no, I'm going to take some time. And uh, I read it on my morning coffee the other day. Um, the one thing that blew my mind um, was that, I mean, Mike Keenan and Burry, I guess a lot of People knew that, you know, they kind of got along together, which it just doesn't seem like there's a fit there. But when Mike Keenan went to Florida, he lived at Burray's house for something like a month. And they went out for dinner and they chatted and lunch and this and that. He lived at his house. Yeah, Mike yeah. Keenan is a psycho. Yeah, but what does that mean? I lived at Pavel Burray's house. Mean? Do you He's think like he gave the... his coach, like, sorry... Oh, he's one of the richest players in the NHL. But when you lived in my house, did you stay in one of my 15 bedrooms? Like, did I even see you in the house? Yeah. Were you in the pool house? Do you think he gives his coach the master bedroom? Yeah, like, thing, it's, not like we're, it's not like we're sharing the laundry room or we're both we're, we're, we're bumping into butts in the, in the kitchen because I live in, like, a small... I don't know. I mean, I know that he lived in the same house, but how, how tight were they, really? I mean, it's yeah. not exactly like a downtown... Uh, really, they're like best friends. It's not friends. a studio apartment. It's not a studio apartment. It's not like a one-bedroom place downtown in Kelowna here. But uh, it, it's, it's still... It's intriguing. 
<laughs> I think knowing we all know who Mike Keenan is, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we we know Burry too. But my goodness, yeah, that one stuck out for me, and it got me thinking. It had me thinking all morning once I read that. At the time, we all hated that Mike Keenan. The, whatever the thing legacy what can we call the it a legacy thing. Yeah. <laughs> the Mike Keenan timeline in Vancouver but it, during the time it literally was the best thing that happened to that oh franchise. absolutely yeah. I've said that time and time again it led to well Todd Bertuzzi it led to Roberto Luongo it led to well eventually you connect the dots to the Stanley Cup and well not winning it but uh, there is you go back long enough it's that six degrees of separation and unfortunately Mike Keenan is a very important part yeah, of that. Only that only that heartless bastard could have did what he did to Linden. Oh. <laughs> we still got him back, so it's okay. Yeah, all in all though, like for me, anytime there's some new information about Pablo Bray, I'm all over it. It's just great to it's great that the Athletic was able to reach out to them, get that interview. I've oh, I'm really enjoying their work. So uh, do you guys think you know, we also found out he vacations with the Aquilinis every year. Do you guys think uh, we see him involved with the Canucks during this 50th season at all? I think if he can make it work. Um, <coughs> again, a lot of these guys have distanced themselves and wanted to distance themselves yeah. from the game in one way or another. And I don't, well, you can, if you read the article, it doesn't sound like Burray feels obligated no. that he has to do something yeah but he was surprised that uh, they essentially buried the hatchet and they retired his number um again wasn't something they had to do but the canucks seemed to like to retire numbers which uh i there was a point we we're going to talk about the kings retiring the taylor swift uh, banner but uh, we'll leave that for maybe next <laughs> yeah. week um you know that it wasn't something they had to do but i think uh Burray sees that, you know, if there's an opportunity that he can come in there. I mean, he was a fan of the Canucks, and he does watch, uh, what you know, he does watch a fair amount of the NHL, and he sees what the Canucks are doing. I think if there's an opportunity for them, I mean, he's a human being. If he can make it work in his schedule, and he's got a life too, um, he's got young kids. If he can make it work, absolutely, I think he will, because you know he's going to get that ovation like Top Bertuzzi did. So yeah. um, if it's possible, absolutely, I'd love to see Pavel just like you, Brady. Um, yeah, you know, for I sure. Believe, I believe number 10 for sure. So I still think he's faster than McDavid, but, you know, well, that's anymore. just me being biased. <laughs> yeah. Not anymore, that's for sure. But, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up uh, episode five here. So, I had fun today. Uh, yeah, really good chat with you guys. Um, and uh, we just want to thank everyone for all the support. And uh, kind of, I missed this part at the beginning of the show. Um, I'm a writer at the Canuck Way, and uh, Ryan writes for Canucks Army. And uh, Ted, you know, he's a Northeastern Twiddlywinks champion. And uh, yeah, oh, so you can find me at Twitter at BKRSL23. You can find Ryan at Always94. 90, F-O-U-R. And you can find Ted at T3. That's T-E-E, the number three, R-E-E. We really hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We got some really cool stuff coming up. Uh, stay tuned and uh, see you next week. Much see you guys. It's your boy, Josh Elijah here, co-host of the Down by Two podcast and DB2 Bets, which now drops every Friday. We wanted to break off a piece of that weekend action, so we decided to move our show over to Fridays. Now you might be asking yourself, what in the hell is even DB2Bets? What the hell is even that? Well, DB2Bets is our sports betting show that is powered by Betstamp. We use the Betstamp app to find the best odds available across all different sports books. And be sure to tune in every Friday and follow along with our picks. Or don't use our picks. Do the opposite. It's your life. Make your own decisions. Just make sure you line shop and please gamble responsibly.
don't skip this ad. I saw your finger. You were trying to skip the ad. I didn't want to do this, and now we're stuck in it together. I'm Ryan. I'm the host of The Lens Report. The Lens Report is a snarky, humorous, yet balanced look at the headlines that fill your timeline every day. We're going to get straight to the point without muddying any of the waters. And remember, The Lens Report is not your parents' news commentary. We swear a lot here. Like a whole lot. So tune in and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and find us at criermedia.co or wherever you get your fine podcasts, like they say at the end of all of these ads. It's podcasting. Why are we doing ads? <sighs>